All right, I'm going to talk over the guys as they're uh, continuing to receive the offering today. Uh, if you were not here last week, I want to I want to challenge you to do something. First of all, let me ask you, how many of you, you read your book this week? All right, there we go, there we go. Uh, some of you put it on your stack. You can't do that. You gotta you gotta read it. It takes about an hour, and and uh, if you're a little slower, maybe an hour and a half. But uh, here's here's the deal. If you were not here last week, uh, I introduced a, a subject to you that is going to be ongoing for a while. And everyone that was in the service got one of these little books. It's called What's After Life. Now we have some. If you and, and get one, Renee has some out there that you can pick up. Here's the deal, though. Uh, you got to listen to last week's message. So that means you're going to have to go on the web page to uh, listen to last week's message so you're going to know what to do with this. Yes, it, uh, assignment number one was to read it. Assignment number two was to prayerfully look at your sphere of influence, whether it's family or uh, workmates, classmates, neighbors, whatever, and to share with them this book. After you read it, give it to them and simply say, Man, I read this book. It really triggered some thoughts in me. I would like for you to read it and give me your thoughts on it. And uh, so they will come back and talk to you, and it will open up all kinds of conversations. I've talked to many of you that read it, and you were, uh, you, you were amazed at how it all fits together and brings the gospel out in a very clear way. So if you were not here last week, we'd, we'd love for you to have one. Uh, some of you have given yours away already, and you're thinking, man, Mark, I need to give more away. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, they're on back order, actually, um, for many churches that are doing this. But uh, you can go on Amazon, and you can order as many as you want, okay? Uh, so, uh, so I'm just saying that I want you to listen to the message, know what to do with it, and you give it away. And around Easter, in fact, beginning on Easter, We'll be even more involved with this, but uh, right now, I wanted to make sure you were about that and you're doing your assignment, and, uh, and that's fantastic right there. Um, we are in the middle of a series called uh, Fresh Start. We're starting a new decade, Fresh Start. Here we are at the end of January already, but we're talking about Fresh Start. We talked about freshness in the Word of God. We talked about freshness in prayer. And uh, last week we talked about the what's after uh, life, but today we're going to be stepping into one more of the fresh start. But let me kind of give you a word picture uh, as we get into this. I remember as a junior high boy, uh, what they call middle school now, I, you know, at that age you can eat, 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 eat. It's just part of your uh, metabolism of the way you're wired. I remember mom had made some homemade pizza, and we ate that pizza, and it was great. But there was too much pizza, and she had some leftovers. Put it aside. Well, uh, she put it aside, uh, not in the refrigerator, but put it aside. And, uh, man, the next couple of days, I was out playing. I remember this clearly. I was out playing. You know how you just get those hunger rushes? All of a sudden, you had to eat something. Come back inside, see that pizza over there, decide to eat it. Man, just scarf it down. You know how it goes. I just eat it all that's there. Went and went into my room. It didn't take long, maybe an hour or so, and then all of a sudden, it hit me that that pizza was not good anymore, 
And for the rest of that evening, I am trying, my body is trying to get everything out of it that's in there. Every pore even, not just to throw one out, every pore is sweating, trying to get, because food poisoning had set in there. Why mom didn't throw it away? I do not have a clue. Uh, I guess she thought it was still good. Me and my junior high brain just figured it's out. It's edible. I'm going for it. But I remember just the throwing up. What had been fresh just two days earlier, tasted so good, had become nauseous a few days later. The reason I share this is, is that our faith, which should be a freshness with God, sometimes has the tendency to get its own stagnation, which can lead to nausea instead of the life-giving element that it was meant to be. I found a definition of freshness that I thought was very appropriate. It says this, the quality of being in a new natural condition and not old or preserved by processes. Let me read that one more time. Freshness. The quality of being in a new natural condition and not old or preserved by processes. You see, what happens sometimes in our faith is it grows dry, loses its freshness, but we still go through the processes to prop it up so that it looks like it's alive. You know what I'm talking about? We've all been there. I've been there. You know, when your faith gets this stagnation in it, we continue to go to church. We continue to do the stuff because these are the processes, and we want it to look alive, but we know in our spirits it's not fresh anymore. Um, I, I see this a lot. We try to cover up the spiritual lack of vitality by acting correctly. We act a specific way, but we know the freshness is not there in our heart. It's like we're watering artificial flowers, thinking there's going to be growth, and there's not. I want you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel chapter 6. If you're new to the Scriptures, there's, you've got the old, what's called the Old Testament, the New Testament, the first four books in the New Testament are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're in Luke. This is uh, Luke was a physician, and he is uh, recounting the life of Jesus from his perspective. And uh, I want us to look at this today as we talk about this freshness in our life, thinking about sometimes maybe we're propping it up instead of allowing God to live his freshness through us. So Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 19, I'm going to read it all, and then we're going to unpack it today. It says this, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. You may remember two weeks ago, his disciples could have asked him anything, and they asked him how to pray, because Jesus had an incredible prayer life with the Father. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Let me just I think it's good you have biblical background. The term apostle sometimes has different definitions, even in the New Testament. You remember when Judas went out and hung himself, they were going to select another apostle to take his place, and they wanted someone that had walked with Jesus, seen him, and experienced the resurrection. So that was the apostle they chose. However, later on, Paul would even call himself an apostle, and Paul, from what we understand, did not see Jesus, did not walk with Jesus in the earth alive. So sometimes there's a different definition. The word apostle literally means 
a sent out one or an ambassador, that they represent somebody else as an ambassador. So Jesus, multiple disciples, 12 apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, this, he, he lists them out here. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Uh, I read this week of a, of a little boy, and they were learning. He was learning about the disciples, about the apostles. And his parents were asking him about it, and he could not think of the term apostle. He could not think of the term disciple. And he said, these were Jesus' samples. And I thought, well, you know, that's what a disciple is. He's literally a sample of Jesus. Verse 17, he went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them. Let me, let me take an offshoot here before I unpack this today. Uh, the Lord seems to speak to me through life that I live. I mean, it's just the way for me. Yesterday, uh, we went to our grandson's basketball game. He plays out in Leander Cedar Park area. It's in nine and ten year old boys, so you don't have too high expectations. But uh, went out there to watch them, and uh, as the game starts, it's pitiful. It is pitiful. I mean, they they uh, they were down so fast, and it was at one time thirty to four, and I think it ended that way 30 to 4 and uh i'm i'm biting my tongue uh on the sidelines uh, uh, or in the stands because i'm thinking just a little coaching just tweak some things and they they would be i mean they couldn't even get the ball one pass and it gets stolen i'm thinking oh i'm thinking just coach them a little bit and it will not be this bad so after the game you know i don't i don't see anything uh, really? I'm listening. No, I, I really didn't. Um, but I'm listening to the coach talk to the boys, and he's got them there, and he says, "Don't worry what the score is. Just want you to have fun. Don't don't worry about the score is. Just want you to have fun." And I was looking at the face of those boys, and there was no fun <laughs> on any any face in there. And I'm just thinking, man, just a little tweaking. And they would have had a lot more fun. I'm not saying they'd have won the game, but they'd have had a lot more fun out there than they had. And then the, the Spirit of God spoke something to my soul. Said this, you know, just like those boys, just because they had a shirt and they were thrown into the game and they were told to have fun, they couldn't have fun. And what the Lord spoke to me was that there's many people who walk an aisle or are baptized and we give them a Bible and we throw them out into the world and we say, go have fun. Go be joyful. Go be peaceful. Not giving them tools to know that there's an enemy that's going to make life miserable for them. 
And so what we do is we just give them a Bible and say, go, go, be happy, be fruitful, be peaceful. And pretty soon they give up because they're so beat down. Just because they're given a t-shirt from baptism and we throw them into the game, they're not going to enjoy it. Just like I can tell you the boys that enjoy basketball. Those that can dribble, those that can shoot, those that can pass. They enjoy it. The others don't enjoy it. But we're saying, have fun. Those that are able to live the life of Christ are those that have been equipped. Those who have a freshness in His Word. Those who have a freshness in prayer. Those who have a freshness in community. Those are the ones that know an enemy is coming against them and they can live it out. I tell you what, that was so convicting to my heart. That what I was seeing displayed on a 9 and 10 year old basketball team, and the coach was doing the, I know he was doing the best he could, could do better, but that's the best he could do. But what I was seeing displayed on a 9 and 10 year old basketball court, I saw much bigger. How many people are there that used to sit in the seats right here that are empty have given up because we said, go, be peaceful, go, be joyful, represent Jesus, and not telling them that there's an enemy that's coming against them and they don't have the tools to fight. You understand? You understand what I'm saying? Some of you were that way. You came to Christ, you were baptized, you did what they told you to do, but you got out there in life and it beat the snot out of you because you were not told that you were now an enemy of the one who dominates this earth so much. But that's why we're doing this series too because we talked about freshness in the Word. We talked about freshness in prayer. And today I want to unpack this a little bit because I think it will speak to us Specifically, three quick points. Number one is this. is You notice that Jesus went up to pray to be with the Father. So point number one is this. Write down communion, connecting with the Father. We talk about this all the time around here, that we need to connect with the Father. The reason we come here today is we want to connect with the heart of the Father. We know we need this connect point. We need this airflow. We need this anointing that comes from connecting with the Father. So Jesus went up. And he prays all night, and he has what I call father time. He has has this incredible time with the Lord, and we need the same thing. We need the connecting with the Father. Um, There are two tools that the enemy uses to keep us from connecting with the Father. Number one, it's so obvious, it's busyness. It's busyness. We are just flat, so busy, and we think everything we do, do needs to be done And yet the most important thing of connecting with our life source, we cut off and we don't do because we're so busy doing everything else. Lifeway has now done a study and surveying Christian churches, evangelical churches, the average church member attends 1.8 times a month. Now, I know that that's not us. Y'all are here every time the doors open. It's less than two times a month. So I could do the same sermon I did last week and hit a whole new group of people. 
busyness controls us. And it just, it just is there staring at us all the time. And we, we don't know how to say no. And yet it keeps us from father time. The second tool that the enemy uses is this. It's marring your identity. Let me explain what I mean by that. It's marring your identity. You see, when you know that you are a son of the Most High God, that He has redeemed you, that He loves you, that you don't have to prove anything to Him, He loves you unconditionally, that's the kind of father that you have the identity to want to go and be with. But what happens is so many of us think that God is mad at us and we're trying to earn His favor, that we have to do certain things. Oh, I messed up. He doesn't love me anymore because He's like an earthly father instead of like a heavenly father. And so we cringe at that. Instead of coming close because our identity is to be close, we have a tendency to back off. And so the enemy has done a great job of messing up our identity and who we think we are because we still think it's in us instead of who He says we are. That I'm forgiven, that I'm redeemed, that I'm loved. And we back off. So the enemy has done a great job in keeping us busy and marring our identity. And we think we don't need to come to the Father. Jesus saw the need to come to the Father. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but what can you do to help you with time with the Father? Number one is this. You need to prioritize it. If it is not a priority to you, you will not do it. I have discovered this. Despite how busy we are, and we're going to talk about margins in a, in a month or so, that despite how busy you are, you still find time for those things you prioritize. You always find time for the things you prioritize. Prioritize your time with the Father. Number two, find your mountain. Find your mountain... Find your place to go to where you unplug, you get still, and find that place. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how many of you are. I'm guilty of this. Okay, if I use my device, my phone, or my iPad to um, to read Bible, I, I have my devotional on it. I use my Bible for my daily reading. But if I, I do my devotional study or whatever on my phone, that I'm thinking. Man, I bet there's some messages there for me to look at. I bet there's some emails there. I, that, that card game is just yelling at me to play right now on that device. Am I the only one that's that way? If we do not, if we do not unplug, I'm preaching to myself. Uh, we gotta unplug. And it's so hard. Find your mouth and find the place that you can unplug. And then focus. I mean, prioritize. Unplug, focus. And we, we're not good at focusing. Uh, we're spiritual, spiritual, uh, hyperactive ADD all the time. We, we just are going and, and, and Lord, help me to focus to come back in. We need that time with the Father. Uh, point number two is where I want to spend more of my time here. Notice what happened is, is, is Jesus is out all night and he comes back down and he calls uh, all his disciples together, and he chooses 12 who are going to be his small group. Okay? He chooses these 12 to be his small group. And uh, it, it says in Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 14, it says that Jesus called his disciples to be with him. So that's the number one thing about a, a follower of Jesus. 
Jesus calls you to be with Him, but He calls you to be in community with others. Jesus was in the community with these guys. And this was His small group. These were the people He connected with. He did life with them. Uh, and, and the interesting thing about Jesus' small group, I want to share this with you quick, because the important thing that I want to challenge you with today is this. I want to challenge you to get in community with other believers. Now, I'm, I'm preaching at the choir. I know most of you just came out of Bible fellowship. You were in small group this week or whatever. But I know some of you are thinking, ah, oh, Mark, I'm an introvert. I'm not sure. I Listen, I'm an introvert. You, you, can, you can try to isolate, but what happens is you lose your effectiveness. I've just seen it over and over again. You need to begin in community. But here's the deal about Jesus and his 12. Two things about this group that I want you to see right quick. Number one, they were ordinary. There was no superhero in these 12. There was no first-round draft choice in these 12. These were guys who were just ordinary. They were common. They were just guys that you would think, but the deal is they were called. They were called to a group. They were called to be a part of something special. You may look at your small group or you're thinking, well, I don't know who I want in my small group. I want special people. No, you want ordinary people. You want different kinds of people, too. And here's point number two about their small group. They were a strange mixture. Um, some of you have watched the Ice Age movies in here about the, what is it, the tiger, the mammoth, and the sloth. And uh, there was one particular one where they find a kid. And, and uh, um, what happens is there's a scene in there where the tiger kind of goes over a cliff and he's about to fall and he, he's going to be his doom. And Manford, right, the, the mammoth, uh, grabs him and pulls him up and the tiger kind of gets his attention and said, why did you do that? And he said, well, that's what life's like in a herd. You take care of one another. And, uh, and they said, well, so we're like a herd. And Sid, the uh, sloth, said, we are one strange herd. And, you know, that's the way Jesus' disciples, these apostles were. They were one strange herd. I look at you. You're one strange herd. But some of you I could not have played with when I was a child. I, I, I know the, the way it is. We are one strange herd. But look at the herd that Jesus had. They were white-collar and blue-collar. You had Matthew, a tax collector. You had Simon Peter, a fisherman. You had manual labor guys. You had office guys. You had rough guys. You had refined guys. You had a guy that was known as the zealot. How about that? He was a zealot. And then you had pacifists in the same group. You, you had a strange mixture. What I'm saying is it takes all kinds in your group. Uh, I don't want everybody like me. I know about me. I want to know how we tick together. What makes us work together? And this is where we need community so much. Um, I've shared this with men many times. I've shared it in here, but I feel like I need to share it one more time. We need a group of people to do the one another's with. To serve one another, love one another, submit to one another, weep with one another, rejoice with one another. We need people to do one another with. I don't know how people do it, to be honest with you, without community. I do not know how they do it. In fact, the Scriptures just say we are to do these one another's with one another. Serve one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by you have love one for another. Not 
how much scripture you memorize, and it's good to memorize scripture. Not how many times you come to worship service, it's good to come to worship service. It's by how you treat one another. In fact, in the first century, it was so attractive, the Romans tried to destroy it. They just couldn't believe how these Christians cared for one another so much. It was so attractive to be a part of. Where is that gone? We are called to that kind of community. But here's what I share with men. I call it PEGS, P-E-G-S. P is this. I, I need protection. I need somebody that has my six. That somebody's there to protect me from me. You know, I can say Satan's after me, the devil's after me, this kind of stuff. Listen, it's me. I need somebody to protect me from me. And so that's why I need a community. E is encouragement. Yes, my dominant love language is words of affirmation, but I need somebody to encourage me because I have a tendency to get discouraged. My personality will sometimes take me that. I get drained. It happens. I need encouragement. G is growth. I need iron sharpening iron. I need somebody that's going to be sandpaper to me that's going to help me to grow. So I need protection. I need encouragement. I need growth. And the last of all, I need support. I, I need to know I'm not alone, that I'm going forward and I have support. I have all this in my life, but listen, I need community other than what happens in a marriage. I need community with other people. You need community. You need a group. And we try every way we can at Central to make that available to you. Brett does a wonderful job with our groups. But what happens is we can only offer so much. Somebody has to step forward. And I know some of you are, are, are thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. Here, here's some helps, though, in community. What to do. Number one, ask the Father. Go before the Lord in prayer. Say, Father, I know it's important that I have group. I've gotten hurt maybe in a group before or I didn't fit into this group before. Lord, help me to find a group that I need to be a part of. Second of all, be proactive. Do not wait for somebody to ask you to be in their group. Step up. We have open groups, so step up to be a part of that. Thirdly, this to me is at the top. Be authentic and transparent. Be authentic and transparent. Be open. Be open for who you are. I had to learn this from some woundings I had in my life. But yet, when the Lord finally set me free to be authentic and transparent, it changed my life. And we need that in our groups. So ask the Father, be proactive, be authentic and transparent. And last of all, take the risk. Take the risk. It's well worth the risk that God has you in community, that you can do the one another's together. You need people to do the one another's with. So there was communion, there was commission, uh, uh, there was community, which was connecting with one another. But thirdly, notice what happened is that after he picked the 12, they went down to this mountain area, this level place. Jesus began to teach, but he began to do more than teach. He began to fulfill what we're called to do in the Great Commission, which is connecting with hurting world. So if you're taking notes, we talked about communion, connecting with the Father, Community, connecting with one another, and then commission, we're connecting with a needy world. We sometimes have this, and we have this, but we don't have this. We've got to connect with hurting world. If not, why did the Lord not just take us? It says in Ephesians 2.10, He says that you were created 
You were, you were created for good works. You're a masterpiece that was created for good works that were, that were formed from the foundations of the earth. You were created. And then, remember Jesus, before He was crucified, He met with the twelve, and He washed their feet, and then He said this. He said, you ought to wash one another's feet as well. That's what you're called to do. Yes, it's one thing to worship God this way. It's one thing to have community this way. But what about commission to help a hurting world that desperately needs Christ? But notice that there's two things that I want to make clear here about commission living that we're called to do. Notice in verse 18, it says that these people who had come, two things, to hear Him and to be healed of their diseases. To hear Him, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom. He's teaching about repentance. He's teaching about the good news. He's teaching about these things. He's encouraging the people. We're called to do the same thing. Sometimes, and we, uh, listen, I believe in service. I believe in winning the right to be heard. But sometimes we do that so long we never speak. We're called to speak. We're called to encourage. We're called to build up. We're called to share the gospel. People need to hear just like they needed to hear from Jesus. But second of all, he was there to heal them. And listen, we believe in praying for healing. We pray. Our elders anoint with oil. We, we do what scriptures tell us to do. And we spend so much time. We, we pray, pray over healing. And sometimes God comes through in miraculous ways. Sometimes he lets the immune system do it. Sometimes it's processes. Sometimes we just don't understand. We're just obedient to what God has called us to do. We do pray for healing. But I tell you what I've discovered is most diseases are not in the physical realm, but they're of the heart. And we are called to bring the healing touch of Jesus to people that desperately need His touch. I've said this before, that we're guilty of praying more people out of heaven than into heaven. Because we're always praying for physical healing. We're not going to start praying for people to die, but we're going to pray, Lord, I know that person's their heart, their heart is shifted. They're not walking with you. God, help us to give an encouraging word. Help us to bring healing touch. See, that's what happens in community once again. You've got neighbors, you've got workmates, you've got classmates, you've got people that desperately need a touch that only you can give. So the commission living is weird. To, they are to hear and they're to be healed. But here's my challenge today. Don't be a lone ranger. You connect with somebody. But listen, you're not going to connect on this level if you're not connected on this level. I'll, I'll end with this. There was a young lady, uh, kind of a country church, and she wanted to sing special music. Minister of Music made a Incredible mistake, though. He chose not to hear her ahead of time. So the Sunday came for her to sing, and she came up there, and she was going to sing a song out of the hymnal, and so the piano player had the hymnal and started to play, and she, was, she began to sing, and she was atrocious. She was horrible. I mean, she was not even close to a note. Everybody's think doing this, like, oh, Lord, help her, help her, help her. So she finished the first verse. The minister of music got up, 
And he stood beside her. And as she began to sing the second verse, he began to sing with her. And what happened is she started hearing him and started getting on tune. She finished, they finished the second verse. And the third verse came around and the whole congregation started singing with them. So now she is completely on tune. She's hearing from others. She's been instructed. She's able to sing completely on tune. And then it was time for the fourth verse. The congregation went silent. The Mr. Music went silent. And she sang the fourth verse on perfect pitch and harmony and in tune. It's a perfect illustration of what we're called to do in community. Listen, I've said this before. Don't yeah, take it personal, but it's me. We're all screwed up. And we need others to walk beside us to help us get on tune. And then we need a body to help us serve in so that we can become part of what's going on so that we in turn, as we get in tune, can go out to a hurting world and help somebody else who's not in tune. That's what we're called to do. But it's not going to happen on this level if you're not connected to the Father. Thank you.